Sometimes when you're driving down the road all by yourself, you begin to hear a voice that tells you you need to look around, pay attention. Maybe something isn't quite right. That voice is me. It's the voice of Gord. Breaker 19, this is the voice of Gord. Y'all got a copy out there? No? Am I the last trucker on earth? Have the robots taken over? What's that rig over there on fire on the side of the road? What are all those people carrying out of the back of the trailer? Oh, never mind. On today's episode of Voice of Gord, we bring you a round table discussion to explore questions around the automation of trucking and various other driving jobs and various other jobs in general. What's the marketing hype? What's the reality? What should we expect? What ought the government do? Will they do anything? Whose side are they on? Has anyone zoomed out to consider the bigger picture? Consider the downstream effects, the consequences for society, the meaning of it all? Well, I've got a team of guys here to discuss all of these things and more, modeled on previous roundtables and bringing back some previous guests. I got you Will Cook, James Year, and Edward Escobar. If you're not familiar with those names, I highly recommend you go through the Voice of Gord back catalog and find the episodes where we discussed autonomous technology previously individually before recording this roundtable. James Year was one of my very first guests, and Will Cook, I think, was number three or number four. Edward was on recently. Edward's a fairly prominent um, critic and organizer out in California going after Cruise and Waymo and all these rideshare companies putting robot taxis on the streets. As I said, hopefully this will be the first in a series and provide some deeper insight into the discussion around autonomous vehicles, autonomous technology in general, and how it's going to affect everybody. Before we get started, I want to bring you a little housekeeping. It's been a pretty busy summer around here. Been doing a little bit of writing on the side. Uh, you would have noticed I had an article published in Compact last week. Been doing some work over at Newsweek. Been trying to keep on top of this Coots 4 situation in Alberta. Hope to bring you some more on that. Also, I have four podcasts in the process of editing. And I'm, I'm not trying to like advertise them or pimp them out or whatever, but more as a, I want you guys to, you know, Keep, keep keep my nose to the grindstone. Make sure I edit the things and get them out to you. So coming up soon, I have Mr. Michael Thomas of Sharon joining the show to discuss the idea of distributism and how we should, we should look back on this given all of the problems we're seeing in the economy and the corporate consolidation, which has walled off opportunity, land and homes and made the American dream that much more difficult to attain. Also, a guest I've been dying to get on for quite a while now. I've got Wayne State economics professor M- Michael Belzer, author of Sweatshops on Wheels, the seminal look at trucking labor market issues post-deregulation. That's a pretty interesting conversation, and his, his book is great. I highly recommend you read it. 
Also coming up, I have an interview with Todd Dills and Matt Cole of Overdrive Magazine, one of the oldest trucking magazines in America, if not the world. And we discuss a recent series they did looking into surveillance technology and how that affects owner-operators and independent drivers and what everybody thinks of this stuff from the driver's perspective. Speaking of truck drivers, I also have Ms. Donna Laframbois, a fairly well-renowned journalist in Canada back in the day, former vice president of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, She's in the middle of writing a book on the Freedom Convoy in Canada, but from the truckers' perspective, from truckers who took part in the Freedom Convoy, not the organizers, not the government, nothing like that, just interviewing people who attended, people who stayed in Ottawa, stayed at Coots, came from all corners of the country, a sort of Studs Terkel-esque view of the convoy and the stories it generated for so many different people. One other special guest announcement. Uh, next week, I'm recording with Professor Matthew B. Crawford, author of Shop Class as Soulcraft, The World Beyond Your Head, and Why We Drive. One of my intellectual heroes, a man who's been doing some amazing work over at Substack as of late uh, called Arcadelia, looking into you know what, what drives the state, what drives the regime we live under. He's, he's basically one of the best modern American philosophers around. And he's started following my Substack, and I've, I've been communicating with him, and I'm just kind of blown away that uh, a man of such high profile and eminence has decided to speak with me. So, yeah, really looking forward to that chat and getting that to you guys as well. One last thing before we get rolling, just wanted to remind you that Voice of Gord welcomes... Any of your comments and suggestions, you can email me, gordylocks at protonmail.com. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or some other major podcast platform, come on over to autonomoustruckers.substack.com. Smash that subscribe button. You'll get all of my written work and these podcasts directly in your inbox. You'll never miss a beat. Also, if you know any truckers, please send this to them. Voice of Gord relies on word of mouth for marketing, and that's about it. So please pass this show around, send it off in an email, use your social media. If you happen to know anybody that would be interested in the things we talk about, please send it their way. Also, yeah, if you want to follow up with any of my guests from this program, please check the show notes. Links to everything will be there for you. And I'm going to stop talking now. This intro has gone on far too long. Let's get to... Edward Escobar, James Year, and Will Cook, and let's talk about autonomous technology. All right, good day, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Voice of Gord. I'm Gord, and this is my voice. Another uh, roundtable episode today where I bring you three other voices where we will be discussing autonomous vehicles, the companies that make them, the narratives and marketing and hype around their introduction to society, what it all means, skepticism of them, issues surrounding them, and I think we might even make this into a series. Other three voices you're going to hear today. James Year, uh, the first guest ever of Voice of Gord, um, photojournalism master's student at the Sy- University of Syracuse, Syracuse U. 
is um, joining us to tell us about his investigations into autonomous vehicle manufacturers. Edward Escobar with uh, the Alliance for Independent Workers joining us from San Francisco. Hashtag, what was that hashtag, Edward? Drivers Unite Movement. Of the Drivers Unite Movement. Edward's been doing lots of work in um, fighting Uber and Lyft and robo-taxis and all that kind of stuff out in California. And our third voice you're going to hear, other voice you're going to hear today, is Mr. Will Cook of America Without Drivers, also a former guest of Voice of God. All three of these gentlemen have been on the show before. If you've listened to all my episodes, you've heard their voices. And Will is joining us from his Kenworth, which is parked at a service plaza in New Jersey. G'day, Will. Hey, what's happening, Will? Yeah, nice to have you back. I understand you just came back from a trip to Alaska. I did. I did. It was it was a great trip, man. Uh, do you do you foresee autonomous trucks tackling the Alaska Highway in wintertime? Uh, Gord, I mean, I guess if they, they, uh, they were doing, I seen a video where they were doing it in Russia, um, down at a gravel pit with some big dumps and stuff. So yeah, I I could see it eventually. I mean, there ain't that big mountains out there and, uh, I mean, they just have to get the road, the infrastructure, right. But if they get the infrastructure right and dial in the, the programming, I don't see why they couldn't do it. A lot of work, but yeah, I could see it happening. Uh, getting the infrastructure right could lead to all kinds of things, and I have many suggestions for that, but that's another episode. Mr. Year, um, this th- this project is kind of centered around some of your research, sir. Can you start off the show and tell us what you've been up to and tell us what you've found out? Yeah, so um, I started this project about uh, 18 months ago, and it's, uh, like you said before, it's kind of focusing on the people that are, um, could be directly impacted by the um, implementation of driverless vehicles, uh, predominantly self-driving trucks across the United States over the course of the next 10, 15, however many years. Um, yeah, so far I've spent about 27 states and about 20,000 miles worth of traveling to kind of document the, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, work, lifestyle, and culture of trucking, and then some of the technological factors that are already in play, pre- predominantly down in the southern United States right now. Where are you joining us from tonight? Uh, Northwest Iowa. Spending a little bit of time with family before I get back on the road again. Right. So you, um, you, we, we've had some discussions about what we're going to do at the show. You've you found out um, this information. You've been researching this project. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, what immediately comes to mind as, as your uh, sort of primary concern with um, autonomous technology. Um, you, you've brought us some prospectuses from all the various companies building it. Um, what, what, what do you got going on? Well, the um, most interesting thing that I found recently is that the first uh, autonomous trucking company is um, saying that their feature complete and their driver, their autonomous AI driver is going to be complete by the end of next year. And that's going to be the first company to launch commercially with about 20 to 25 trucks, roughly on uh, Interstate 45 between Dallas and Houston. Now, depending on how um, successful that program is um, and how many other people invest into it and buy into that, um, we could be seeing a lot of these um, trucks pretty soon on our highways. Um, predominantly, it's going to start off in Texas, and then it's going to spread 
throughout the uh, rest of the southern United States um, for the foreseeable future before it moves north. Um, is and a lot of this is already outlined in a, a lot of the investor reports, and pretty much every developer um, right now is saying basically the same thing. They've all got very similar strategies, and by the rate of progression with at least a couple of the leading companies, it seems like it's not very far away. Right. But in recent months, we've seen a, a few of the autonomous companies either cut back on staff, refocus their operations, or uh, move their operations to China. Uh, hmm. What do you make of all that? Uh, there's, there's always been... Um, a lot of ups and downs within this industry. Like a couple of years ago, Star Key Robotics folded. Um, Waymo, like you said, is going is shifting gears and focusing more on uh, autonomous rideshare and taxi services. Um, Kodiak is still around. They're a pretty viable player. Embark just got bought out by a larger company. Um, I think it's Implied Intuition. For what's going to become of them or not? But you know, like this is one of those things where even if uh, you know, a smaller company just gets it right and just happens to knock it out of the park and surprise everyone. You know, it's it's still a, a pretty viable market, I think, for a lot of bigger players, especially with Aurora. And then there's another uh, plus AI company that's got a completely different business model that they're not very loud about what they're doing, but they've got a 20% stake in Amazon or Amazon has a 20% stake in them. So I wouldn't count them out either. Right. So you're seeing all these companies and their technological development and now they're going to be having even more testing and uh, pilot programs in texas my my audience uh, such as it is is heavily weighted towards truckers that's who this show is for most truckers are fairly skeptical of the autonomous vehicle movement for many reasons Uh, do you think they should be less skeptical and be prepared for something uh, there's lots of good reasons to be skeptical and there's still going to be a lot of, uh, very valid concerns and criticisms and obstacles for these vehicles going forward. But the thing that I remember is that, uh, these trucks are going to be targeting the easiest aspects of the profession first. So they're not going to be going after log trucks anytime soon, or they're probably not going to be seen at your local dairy either. Um, <clears throat> but where you're going to see them is between uh, transfer hubs on long stretches of interstates where it's a much more restricted and controlled environment. So like if they can just get it from one on ramp to the next off ramp, that's what they're going for. And that's where most of the money is. So it's, it's one of those things where if it's in the right area with the right climate, with the right regulations and all that, it's, we're going to see it. I, I, we're going to start seeing it next year. Um, if Aurora is correct and they're able to do it. But um, I, I think, I think it's a wiser policy to um, put the skepticism aside and think that this could be a very real possibility because, you know, if that perspective is wrong then nothing happens, you know. Um, Speaking of uh, rideshare companies, Edward, you're mostly focused on robo taxis unleashed on the streets of your hometown of San Francisco by the likes of Waymo and Cruz. Uh, what, what do you have to add to the conversation, sir? Well, our concern goes beyond trucking and autonomous vehicles, but more for the concern about it being a tipping point, ushering in the new age of AI uh, automation, uh, which includes the self-driving 
Um, and also, too, I always throw in that digital currency because uh, every everything involving technology is going to be consolidated and connected. So it's important that people realize that uh, that that's just what is coming down the pike. And we need to have discussions uh, because we cannot expect our representatives uh, in Congress and the Senate for them uh, to actually be the saviors, the Calvary coming in to save the day. It's not realistic. Uh, their focus is not really about uh, the rights of workers. Uh, it's primarily, it's uh, you know, their campaigns are funded by these corporations that are doing the, the very thing that we're talking about. And uh, we're not against technology. We're just uh, against uh, technology when it's to benefit the few at the expense of, of the many. I, I write occasionally at a few outlets. I just published a piece today at Compact Magazine. Uh, they chose the title, not me, but it kind of fits. It's called The War on Driving. And, and I opened the piece about with these examples of robo taxis not exactly performing as they might with a human driver in them and you've sent me a number of articles showing somewhat lackluster performance on the part of these cars um what are some of the concerns you have from a sort of technical aspect and from a consumer and pedestrian you know in an urban setting interacting with these cars like what what are you seeing and what are your concerns you know zoomed into that spot well i could go down a laundry list of concerns and see one of the things that they tout is safety and one of the areas that they're predominantly failing in is safety uh they're not uh, ready for prime time, as the the fire chief of San Francisco had stated in the media, and and that's because the technology is not advanced sufficiently. Uh, it's it's not user friendly for society yet. Uh, it it has issues where it rolls into crime scenes, it rolls into uh, fire areas, uh, rolls rolls over fire hoses. Um, it, it just rolled into some wet cement in a construction site. Um, you know, it's just imagine, and I've had encounters with these vehicles. As a matter of fact, uh, being a driver myself, I, I drive uh, black level uh, luxury vehicles, SUVs, um, and so on and so forth. So in San Francisco, we'll come across them quite a bit. And, you know, I will test their technology. I'll cut them off. I'll stop right in front of them with no one else on my side to see what they'll do. I'll back up. Um, they just sit there. And and basically, if you were to uh, try to qualify, and DMV doesn't have any, like as far as an evaluation, right, you would think that the DMV would give it a test, uh, just like anyone else for a driving test. Um, but the DMV has been hands-off, and, and the DMV answers to uh, the governor, Gavin Newsom of California, who is a corporate Democrat. You know, he, he's, he answers to them. As a matter of fact, Google had donated uh, $10 million, uh, to his 2020 campaign for governor. So we know that, you know, corporations and the politicians, you know, they're, they have their backroom uh, connections and so on and so forth. But uh, the problem is that 
these vehicles, as far as their performance level, it's 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 worse than a drunk driver who's a student driver. I, I guess if I had to put it in some kind of context so people could understand how bad uh, we're talking about this is it's ludicrous to allow this to happen. But here's the problem is that these tech titans of Silicon Valley and San Francisco, it is the Hollywood of tech. You have multi-billion dollar multinational corporations, and they're basically, they call the shots. Uh, Waymo, who's the primary player, Waymo and, and GM Cruise. Uh, Waymo is Google, by the way, and, and Cruise is General Motors. So Waymo has a deal with Uber. So Uber has been in, in, in the background here, not really uh, saying much, but they have a partnership with them where they provide the clientele. And then Waymo provides the hardware, basically the vehicles. And uh, a serious problem here is that they're given uh, the ability to ride roughshod against the better uh, judgment and statements of police, fire officials, the city officials, even uh, the uh, city official who heads the Department of Transportation for Los Angeles uh, uh, Jarvis Murray, who I know personally, uh, he spoke remotely via Zoom on, at the hearing. And uh, basically, it just fell upon deaf ears. They had already made a determination that they were going to proceed, that they were going to move forward. Uh, and there are different reasons for this, because uh, the governmental entities don't want to stifle innovation. But here's the problem. We're not guinea pigs, and we shouldn't allow that to happen uh, at this point in time, the technology is not ready for prime time, and I'll leave it there. Right, and I, I've seen a lot of ad copy, and you know the autonomous vehicle manufacturers, the system developers, their boosters in the media keep repeating ad nauseum. Well, you know, an autonomous driver doesn't get drunk. An autonomous driver doesn't get tired. An autonomous driver always follows the rules. An autonomous driver always defaults to just stopping if there's a problem. And they're, they're, they're never going to get involved in any issues. Yet, because it's functionally a robot and doesn't know how to interact socially on the road or take cues or orders from people. Like let's say a fire truck shows up and you know, the guys jump out and say, get out of the way. And it just sits there. You know, the, it, it, it strikes me that you know they're just lying about this because people have been conditioned safety, safety, safety. We live in a society that's now pretty much primed for safetyism you know, we, we will have the government look after us. Big Daddy Corporation is going to look after us. Everything's going to be safe. But it actually isn't. And it's it's difficult to, like, get the government to actually look at statistics, right? Like, from my own world, from trucking, we've had this ELD mandate since December 2017. And all the statistics show that truck crashes haven't gone down. Aggressive driving has gone up. And... The FMCSA is basically unresponsive. They're not going to change that mandate, even though it doesn't work. So, yeah, it does appear that these technologies are a foregone conclusion and the government just doesn't care. So speaking. Of yeah, that, it's really it's really odd that people really 
have blind faith in the government that they're looking out for uh, for the betterment of society and betterment of of people's quality of life. It's not true. It's just it's just not true. We see time and time again um, that they use people as guinea pigs, um, and then you know the it comes to lawsuits and everything later, and it's deny, deny, deny. And what you said earlier about about as far as lying, yes, they lie. They lie. Uh, I mean, that's what I was going to mention earlier about how Waymo is partnered with Uber, and the, basically they're using pages from the same playbook that Uber used in order to uh, be disruptive and enter into the transport market and just lie and spin things and, uh, you know, a bait and switch uh, promoting safety and uh, freedom and flexibility and all of these lost uh, leaders and that are just, it's, it's a bait and switch. It's basically, it's what it is. And you'll see that, uh, you know, the government entities, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the, because this went before the California Public Utilities Commission, there's five commissioners. One of them was not present. So the four remaining of the four, one of them was former managing legal counsel for Cruz. So you would think in that case, because prior, this guy's name is John Reynolds, and prior when he had worked, uh, um, when he, there was some issue that came up before of uh, the commissioner, the California Public Utilities Commission, he recused himself. Now, this one, this moment here, which was August 10th, which determined robo-taxis being able to operate for profit and for them to expand their numbers, uh, it's, it's a very pivotal moment because that means it's now going to undercut and undermine taxis and uh, Uber Lyft drivers. Uh, and as well as uh, any other form of transport, including public transportation. However, there was no concern for that whatsoever. There was only one lone dissenting commissioner who said that they should pump the brakes on this and, and investigate further and have some impact studies uh, performed, so on and so forth. But they weren't having it. They just decided to to go full speed ahead and uh, be damned the safety and, and and the impact on society. I want to bring Will into the conversation because Will has been, I don't know if fighting a similar fight is the right way to call it, but, you know, Will represents an organization called America Without Drivers, interfacing with, you know, government and policymakers to try and make sure that the implementation of autonomous trucks doesn't just happen instantly and without thoughtful <laughs> considerations of all the ramifications. Will, what have you got to say? Hey, thanks for having me on, Gord. Um, I'd like to interject something here since um, we're talking about the cars and the trucks. I think this, I'd like to kind of direct this towards James. I think he'll have a little information on this and could probably put a little into this, but uh, there's a big difference between cars and semis on the autonomous side. The technology um, is different. And then it's also the semis are more controlled than what the cars are. And, and, and on top of that, James, the public, you know, pretty much they, they buy the cars. Um, so they've got the more power in what's going to happen to the cars to where the trucks, the federal regulators, you know, kind of control the semis there. They can, they can regulate 
these trucks down to where they have to have some of this autonomous stuff on there and the roads, so forth like that. So right now we're, there needs to there needs to show some kind of divide of why there's such a difference in the cars and the semis because the semis it's going to come it's coming you're not going to put the semis back in the box it's going to be harder to push back against these semis and cars i could see the cars the automotive industry constantly you know just dragging their feet on this because the public we have to buy it we have to choose to buy this car but when it comes to semis, even the technology is different. Can you tell us a little bit of how the, the difference in the technology between cars and the trucks? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head on a, uh, quite a few areas there. Like the biggest the biggest thing that I'm seeing with um, the uh, trucking industry versus uh, self, or driverless cars is that the trucking industry is absolutely massive. Um, I think um, last year the trucking industry was worth about $800 billion rideshare industry by comparison is worth about 35 billion which is still you know a really big number but if you're talking about uh markets that are going to be um a lot more profitable over the long run it's definitely going to be trucking first and if you go into the um more recent investor reports from uh aurora trucking and i think it's in their 2023 um investor report they listed that uh uh, trucking is going to be leading their uh, autonomous rideshare, which is then going to be leading their autonomous last mile delivery stuff, sort of a thing. So they're using, at least with that one company, I can't speak for all the other companies out there because I haven't seen their stuff, but um, <clears throat> trucking is basically going to lead the foundation and they're going to keep building it off of that with other markets, sort of a thing. And the other, the other problem with uh, autonomous um, uh, or self-driving cars is that getting consumers to pay for that for the technology that they don't trust, at least right not right now, is going to be a problem. And then bringing um, a rideshare service to scale um, is a lot more challenging in um, rideshare than it is in the trucking industry because you have to buy all the cars, all the infrastructure and everything in a much more uh, broad environment for liability and accidents sort of a thing. So like the to build the scale um up for a driverless car versus a driverless truck it's a completely different thing um and it's kind another, of... another point i i want to reiterate let me address let yeah. me address that real quick is that i mean because you're talking about two different areas there consumer and mm -hmm. and and commercial transport these these are two different areas so um i mean our focus really primarily is what it, how it's going to impact workers and 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 the future of society yes there is, uh, but the technology is so expensive right now at that level um, of where it's at. And James could expand on the different levels uh, shortly. But yeah, what what we really need to be concerned about is just where where the future is headed. By by 2030, they're saying 10% of all vehicles are going to be autonomous. And what 10% sector do you think that is going to cover, if not the commercial transport? which includes trucking is going to be number one on that as well as, you know, commercial transport and the final mile and, and passenger transport, but of products and goods um, within cities and so on, delivery, so on and so forth. So we really have to keep that in perspective. Yes. In California, um, they passed the California state assembly bill uh, uh, 316. It uh, requires a trained human operator and autonomous vehicles weighing more than 10,000 pounds. 
Um, but it doesn't ban companies from testing or deploying self-driving trucks on California's public roads. And, and that's really for California. So what's happening in the other states, and I think Will could speak to that, of, of how the legislators are in other states when it comes to being up on this technology. Uh, you know, they have not been doing the homework because no one has been really bringing it to their attention other than us. Will, myself, I think James to some extent, uh, Gord. Uh, so I think that, you know, there's a lot uh, to be desired when it comes to information. But it, it's it's not a matter of if this will roll out. It's a matter of when and how much saturation we're talking about. And just keep in mind, if people are aware of Uber and Lyft, they had um, uh, approximately uh, three to five percent of of market share when it came to transport across our country. And look what disruption they created with that small percentage of, of impact uh, as far as market share. So just keep that in mind um, when we're having this discussion that this is a much bigger picture and we're talking about long-term, we're talking about sustainability factors and, and what's gonna happen to the future of work for these folks. What are they gonna do when, they're, when there's no transition plans? There's no discussion for any of that. So back to you folks. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned a little bit on the cost. Um, so recently I saw something where uh, each one of Waymo's uh, current uh, rideshare vehicles is worth about $200,000 a piece, roughly, which um, that that seems very, very, very expensive. But uh, there's one thing I saw in the uh, Plus AI investor report um, where they're doing a uh, retrofit kits um, to implement into existing fleets. And what they were putting out there is that... Uh, each one of those retrofit kits in the U.S. is going to cost roughly about seventeen thousand dollars, and then that's going to be. There's also going to be an additional one thousand um, dollar a year subscription on top of that, so it's a total eighteen grand to get started uh, per truck, depending on how many you buy. I would imagine, um, and that company already has ten thousand orders, and Amazon has a thousand of those, and they started uh, delivering those last year sort of a thing. So like the cost, depending on which company you're talking about, at least within trucking, the cost is pretty low um, to get started off. And they've been in mass production since 2021. So it like for Waymo, it's <clears throat> for Waymo and some of the smaller companies that can't do it at scale yet. It's going to be a lot more expensive early on, but as this stuff progresses, it's always going to get cheaper um, the more it develops. And let's not forget who's behind Cruise, General Motors. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they they have, uh, you know, tool and die and fabrication. Everything is is they can snap that together in no time flat. So um, and and the robotics that are manufacturing these. So we have to look at, you know, all of these um, matters because no one's really connecting these dots. I, and I also want to add that for these hearings that occurred at the California Public Utilities Commission, which they're. Their building is located in San Francisco. Um, uh, there was a hearing that was done on the 7th and then on the 10th. And uh, we were the only ones that were present there that were pushing back against them. Myself and an associate who, who helms the United Labor Front. So um, where is organized labor? I spoke with uh, the president of Teamsters, the Joint Council Number Seven, Jason Rabinovitz, and he assured me that Teamsters is behind what we're doing, but yet no rank and file were there, standing and supporting our action there. 
uh, SCIU, Service Employees International, uh, 1021. They said they were going to be there. We had someone that came out and spoke, but none of their rank and file. Edward, Edward, quick question on this very important observation you have relayed to us about the fact that the union guys haven't shown up. I wonder, do they possess the similar skepticism of like the average trucker I talk to who thinks this technology is either way far out or somewhat impossible or they can't possibly get rid of the people like are the leaders of these unions sharing this same kind of you know it's probably not going to happen attitude or like what what do you what else do you think might be going on here's the only thing that i've been able to put together and that's that's because i've collaborated with national teamsters national service employees international union which is the the top ranked union in the country in terms of sheer numbers of members uh and also too i mean beyond that to uh transport workers union tw there's a number of them that we've collaborated with or, or reached out to them as well even the ata the cta here's the thing is what i'm looking at and i am uh projecting looking into the crystal ball is is that the reason that I see is this, is that if they acknowledge that the future of work is is in jeopardy, right, and they are not addressing it, they are not discussing it, there, there's a reason for that. Because then just put yourself in the place of a potential member who's considering joining a union. Perhaps that person would say, well, why, why should I join you then? If by 2030, 10% of all vehicles are going to be uh, autonomous, what, what are you going to be able to do for us when the jobs don't even exist? You, you're not going to be able to represent us for a job because the job's not going to be there. So to be honest, that's the only thing that I can figure that why they're practicing kind of an avoidance of the topic, because then it will probably put uh, uh, some strain on recruitment for their membership. Uh, base because as you know uh, the unions have not stayed relevant and and they haven't adapted so they're dying unions and union membership is dying uh, so that's the only thing that I can really see is the rationale uh, as to why they want to ignore it um, and, and then if you flip that and look at um, you know the downside of, of the negative adverse impact, uh, these tech companies, well, they don't want to have accountability. Um, they don't want to have discussions about transitioning the workforce. Uh, so what they want to do is just uh, ignore, 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 which is, you know, the attorney approach of deny, deny, deny um, until they have everything in place. Then they flip the switch. And what are what are the little people going to do? The workers are going to do by then it's too late. It's too late because it's much more difficult to undo something than to shape the future of work together. That's why we don't have a seat at the table with them because they don't feel that they have to. And they've been able to do that and get away with it. As a matter of fact, the Biden administration uh, did a round table with some of the top tech minds in the country. And there was no element of representation of, of the rights of workers or the future for work. Um, 
it's kind of like when they had the banking crisis and they brought in Jamie Dimon and, and, and basically they were bent over backwards um, trying to accommodate, oh, Jamie Dimon, tell us your wisdom. It's like that's the fox in charge of the hen house. So, so the Biden administration, look, they don't want to stifle innovation. So they're very much hands off of these techies um, because why? They feel that they need them to push back against uh, the superiority of the Chinese, uh, the China technology, because those folks, you know, they're not a permission based society. They just they just ride roughshod right over their society. They don't ask. And they they have no problem, no qualms about using their people as guinea pigs. So, you know, to put all that in a nutshell, that's pretty much what I could surmise as to what I see as a possibility. And I think I'm pretty much spot on because it's really common sense based. So back to you. Well, so Edward has just shared with us his observations in, you know, going to these meetings and hearings about this technology. You've done somewhat similar activism in your home state of Indiana. Uh, what are you seeing on the truck side of this and, and especially with politicians and like, how are they responding to this, you know, the looming Im imposition of this technology? First of all, we sent out 40 some emails to uh, senators, representatives in Indiana. I got no replies from any Democrats on the transportation. We sent them out to the transportation and the labor those on the boards of the, the labor and the trans transportation um, Republicans. We did get a handful back from the Republicans. One side of the Republicans, they were saying that the, the rhinos are pushing it is what they were saying. They're, they're pushing it through. They want to see the autonomous trucks come. Now I just talk about trucks. I'm not even talking about cars. All right. So it's really interesting to hear uh, Edward talk about the cars and what's going on in San Francisco and staying up on that because He's right on what he's saying about the cars. But anyways, maybe one, most of the, the senators in Indy, even on the transportation board, don't really know what's going on. They are leaving it up to their assistants. I know this ain't going to be popular, but they're leaving it up to their assistants. And most of their assistants are younger, is a younger generation, and they're just really geeky about this stuff. They think it's cool. They're not looking ahead in the future of, of the displacement of drivers. That's just the way that I picked it up. And because when I can sit down and talk to these guys that are sitting on the transportation board and give them information and see their eyes light up and them say multiple times they didn't know it, they're either doing the political BS to me or else they really don't know. So, but that being said, what Edward just said, what I think is more important, what this show's all about is you got Kodiak that's teamed up with, uh, Pilot, which we have just found out that Warren Buffett is bought into Pilot, right? And he has got a uh, autonomous fuel stop, Pilot stop there in Georgia, and he's getting ready to run it from Georgia to Florida, I believe. Don't quote me on the Florida part, but I'm pretty. I know it's Georgia is where the where it's set up, and he's going to set another one up down in Florida, and they're going to start doing it. And I think what's being overlooked here is the simplicity of these trucks being able to be out here running down the road, especially the in-between miles, the, the middle miles for what they're saying. You've got Aurora that's teamed up with Snyder. 
Uh, Aurora started their own terminal. They've got their own terminal now. James can tell you a lot about uh, uh, what is that other company, PI or whatever. These guys are ready, man. They've got the equipment. They've got the terminals. They've got the lanes. And Edward said it, when they flip the switch, it's going to be too late. And in these economic times that are going on right now, it's not conspiracy. When you have so many facts, it's no longer a conspiracy, right? The trends in transportation, there's always ups and there's always downs. They're bleeding people out right now. Start People are bleeding out. There's going to be a, right now, we, we have more freight than drivers. But what will happen after the election, 26, somewhere right in there, things are going to pick up after the election. And all of a sudden, because all these drivers fell out and companies fell out, and if you see the merges going on, if the writing's on the wall, we're going to have a shortage. We're, we are going to have a shortage because the economy is going to pick up. Everything's going to go booming. And that's they're going to be the saving grace and come in and flip the switch on these trucks. And You, boom, you, you mean a real shortage and not the fake one they've been talking about for over 30 years. Ex exactly. And that's what they're and that's what they're in the process of doing right now. And I don't think 24 is going to be any better. Nobody's predicting that 24 is going to be any better. It's going to be just as bad. And they said. We may be at the bottom of this right now, but we're going to hold steady, if not get worse, in 2024. So I think when they flip the switch, they're going to flip the switch on the cars and the trucks, and you're not going to get rid of it. You're, you're not going to put them back in the box. There's always casualties in war. Everybody says, oh, there's going to be accidents. There's going to be this. There's, you know, yeah, but we've got accidents out here all day long. And if it's the middle mile, like Texas, where they're where they're doing these trucks at right now, you got to figure they were up in Minnesota all last winter testing on snow and ice. Okay, they're not stopping. You're just not hearing about it. This big news is what's going on out in San Francisco with the cars and and Tesla and all this and that. But what you're not hearing, the little news, is what you need to pay attention to, and that's what's going on in the trucking industry. You guys better get ready. Prime, ATA. When they step in, they're going to step in and they're going to leave a big footprint in this when they come in, and it's coming. And right. They, let's and, let's, and let's talk about that the CTA and ATA and who who their true representation is for. It's not for the independent trucker; it's for the corporate mega carriers, and they're aligning themselves with the autonomous and the future of transportation. Yeah, James can draw. James can tell you a lot about what they're doing, what they're telling the public, what they're telling their shareholders versus go ahead, James, put that, put that out there. It'll. Yeah. Uh, I just want to backpedal a little bit here. I think it's important to um, consider too that AI or artificial intelligence, machine learning and all that kind of stuff hasn't really entered the national discussion until November of last year, which is about nine months ago. Um, so like, as far as like the politics uh, surrounding um, artificial intelligence and driverless vehicles and stuff, um, those stars are still aligning. If you guys go in and watch the uh, congressional hearing that just happened in June, it seems like a lot of elected officials don't really know what to make of all this yet. And that's probably going to be the case for the foreseeable future until voters start getting negatively impacted by this. You know, for Republicans, it's probably going to be truckers. For Democrats, like early on, I'm guessing you could probably see a lot of uh, college students with, you know, once viable degree fields that won't be able to get a job anymore, like in accounting or computer science or whatever, you know, <clears throat> everything that might be impacted. So I think that's an important thing to consider there too. Let me jump in real quick because you're saying that we're not hearing about it, but that's by design. 
as I mentioned earlier, what they're doing is behind the scenes, because this is multi-billion dollar investment of these venture capitalists. So they want to keep everything on the QT. They want to keep everything on the down low. Uh, you know, Amazon, Bezos, he's got billions of dollars he's throwing into trucking as far right. as autonomous. So we, we got to really kind of balance this out when we're when we're looking at it, because the people that, that are in the need to know, they know what's going on. But what they do to push this through a lot faster on fast track is they compartmentalize. So the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, but they're getting the stuff done. It's just all behind closed doors. Like I said earlier, when the tech's ready, they flip the switch and what and by then it's too late. So that's why it was great we're having this discussion. I would like to add to what Edward just said again um, from the trucking perspective and the narratives we're hearing. There are still recruiting agencies going around trying to hire drivers. The ATA is still claiming there's a driver shortage, even though uh, per freight waves data as of spring of this year, we're 24% over capacity and rates are in the toilet, especially in the spot market. Things don't look so good. The, the driver shortage has always been fake, but it's even more fake this year. And um, a, a friend of mine sent me a link today of this company who's basically telling mega carriers and like other you know, medium, small carriers, if you're having trouble getting drivers, we'll source them for you from Mexico and we'll get the work visas and we'll get you these drivers. And it's like, okay, are, are we getting autonomous trucks or why, if we're getting them, why are you continuing to hire people? The question becomes like Edward said, they want people to be asleep and not notice and continue to think that like everything's hunky dory but then it's not going to be the switch will get flipped. And, you know, this is a pretty hard imposition, you know, trucking attracts a lot of immigrants. There's many, many people from many different backgrounds in the business. And now the trucking industry is making promises to them to come here, go trucking. There's a shortage, but there isn't. And we're not going to fix any of the other sort of latent background issues in the trucking business, which contributes to retention. And they're just going to keep throwing bodies at it until they get their robots. And I, I think it's kind of disgusting that they're continuing to do this. Um, Will, do you have some insight on that? Well, I want yeah. to jump in real quick here, though. Uh, it's Edward. Uh, just how are they really selling it real quick on safety? You see them showing a lot of safety issues where uh, drivers who should not have been driving, uh, you know, cause uh, deaths on the road and these truckers. Wow. Imagine if we had autonomous, this wouldn't happen. Uh, the shortage, right? They're selling this, this uh, false uh, narrative about the shortage. And then also how about these freedom convoys? How about the ones in Canada and, and here in, in the U S how these damn drivers, they want to have rights and they want to be heard and they don't like the EDLs. Uh, they, you know, they, they don't like these, the technology limiting them. Uh, so, you see, this is what we need to be aware of, how it's being sold to the general public. This is not just being spoon-fed just for drivers because they could care less about that. This is how it's being sold to the general public that they start to shake their head and go, yes, oh, I could see why that would make sense for the future. Back to you, Will. They're, that's exactly right, Edward. They're pushing, they're, 
this is known right now that they're push they're doing their best to push out single owner operators all right they're allowing it to happen they're not going to say they're doing it it's just happening right economic reasons and they're diluting it with these other drivers that will easily say like me you come tell me what you're going to do with this truck i'm going to say i'm making almost a four thousand dollar a month truck payment here and you're going to tell me i can only run this how long how fast and whatever are you making the payment on this or am i making the payment on this i'm no longer an owner but if you bring somebody in here and you start bringing immigrants in or people that don't know no better they're just they're holding the steering wheel they're doing a job they're going to do whatever you tell them to do and they're not going to gripe about it just get me home for the weekend let me do my 10 hours get my bunk play my playstation do whatever I do. I know it sounds bad. I don't want to ruin your show, Gord, and get on a cry fest here, but it's no, the truth. No, no, no. This is this is all valid. Keep going. Yeah, I, I'm in Jersey right now. I came down. If you came down 95, like I came down today, if you would have came down this this stretch of highway ten years ago, there would have been a total different style of trucks, pride, quality of driver everything else it's just really different day and they've done it deliberately we pulled the white papers and read back in 2015 where they were letting people in here on visas and doing what they were doing about the labor and, and trying to keep the labor down the labor costs down blah 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 and you know 25 percent of over-the-road drivers were here on visas to drive a truck and then they were getting citizenship in here, which is good. I mean, I'm for it. If I lived in another country and I could come here and make a living and have a way for the American dream, I would do it too. I don't hold nothing against them. It was just the way that they were doing it for money. They were using these people and, and they're the ones that's going to get hurt the, the most because a lot of the middle driver now has been flooded with these drivers. And that's the first to go is the middle mile. And, I'll just leave it there, but yeah, they're the ones going to get really hurt first. So, Will, if you could mention how they're raising the insurance premiums for trucking through the roof to drive out the independents. Oh, it's it's astronomical. It's it's crazy. I mean, the writing's on the wall, and, and that's minute compared to. I mean, just get James to to throw out some more numbers. James, there's another <laughs> one. Throw out some more of the the numbers of what they're telling the public versus what they're telling their stockholders, go to link LinkedIn, go to LinkedIn and watch what these autonomous Kodiak uh, Waymo and all them say on LinkedIn, and then go look and see what Freightways and OIDA and what's happening in the trucking news versus what's happening in LinkedIn, where the business and the CEO guys are. Well, watch the two different stories there, guys. I mean, I just gave you two two different platforms to go look at, and you will see a different sales point on both of them. Let yeah. me address that because that's a very valid point that Will brought up. These folks, they, they speak in triple speak, okay? They say one thing to their investors, they say another thing to the public, and they say another thing to the legislators, the regulators. So we have to keep that in mind. These guys don't talk just out of both sides of their mouth. It's like they talk through the center, the sides as well, and who knows, maybe out the back. But the, the real deal here is we need to add the other element that they're saying in California by 20, 
35 that all vehicles need to be electric vehicles. So what is that going to do to all the diesel operating vehicles? You see what I'm saying? It's going to be electric vehicle and autonomous at the same time. And that way, by default, it's going to drive these folks out. James, go ahead, sir. Yeah. So um, that conversation just kind of made me think of one thing in an investor report that I saw. This one's from the uh, 2021 Aurora market thesis or investment thesis. It's a uh, page 49 here says trucking is a highly fragmented market with 1.2 million owner operators of trucks. The advent of autonomous trucking technology may drive consolidation given the pricing advantage, increased productivity and lower labor cost over time. That means that means huge economic pressure for autonomous take up. Then there's a little sub note over here. The compounding nature of self-driving technology, network effects and developing partner ecosystems and gaining trust of key Carriers who are benefiting from consolidation will lead to a winner take uh, winner take most dynamics. So you know they're directly citing 1.2 million owner operators there, and then also saying that winner of this technology is going to dominate the market allegedly. So it's you know a, a pretty clear difference in narrative. So they're saying that there's three to four million truck drivers nationwide. Now add like about three million more passenger drivers. I'm, I mean, I'm re referring to commercial transport here. In California alone, there's 600,000 in, in 600,000 plus in, in passenger, well, just transport period. These are big numbers. And we're talking about permanent displacement of these folks. There's no discussion about any transition, universal basic income. I mean, we've got to throw everything at the wall here, spitball and see what we could come up with because it's not going to work for everyone. You know that you have some truckers that they say, you know, you'll pry this this vehicle, my steering wheel out of my cold, dead hands before I will relinquish my truck. Because some of these folks, they actually sleep in their vehicles and they live in their vehicles. Right. Will, you could speak to that. I mean, they spend more time in that vehicle and than anywhere else. It's like they're home away from home if they have another home. So these are real serious concerns. And also. Let's look at, and I want to address something that Will brought up earlier, is that this really is a nonpartisan approach here because everyone is in jeopardy here. Everyone, all workers, all drivers, uh, uh, you know, moving forward uh, are in jeopardy. Every uh, The future of work is at stake. So, yes, the Republicans are going to be more receptive as they were towards Will. Why? Because they believe that their constituent base, a lot of them, are going to be truckers, independent truckers. So that's why they'll be responsive to them. Is that acceptable? No. We need to go after all people, even the independents. We need to go after Dems and the Republicans and 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 the independents as well, because all of them need to represent we the people. That's their job. And if they don't, they need to be reminded that a law, a majority of truckers are NRA card carrying former vets. Correct, Will? I don't know about all that, but I am. <laughs> we, the point is, is that we need we, to address this and have a transition. And otherwise, there's going to be a real revolution. Uh, got, you've got the Democrats and the Republicans. It's not a political matter anymore. Everybody, these guys are so invested on both sides of the aisle into autonomous autonomous is the next new microwave or or the next new thing coming out and and it's you're not going to put it back in the box it isn't going to happen and it's going to come period 
it's coming. Whether we're not going to stop it, we may be able to slow it down, right? We're, we're in it enough already to where we can help kind of put our two cents in on how they regulate it, all right? But they're going to throw this at the wall so much that no matter what, you're going to get some of this autonomous stuff in the trucks. These trucks are going to, every truck out here is going to be governed and it will have some kind of autonomous feature level of autonomous in the truck. And they will be able to dummy down the driver and bring the wage down. Is it going to save the consumer? No, it's not going to save the consumer. This makes me mad. It's just like Walmart is Walmart saving the consumer now. No. What did Walmart do? Walmart took that profit and they put it into artificial intelligence to put more money in their pocket, to put more people out of work. And that's exactly what's coming down the pike here. And we don't want to get into politics too much, but if you look what's happening in politics right now, the exchange of wealth and what's happening, autonomous driverless trucks and driverless vehicle fits the agenda with electric and everything else. And that's the way they want to push this. And that's why it's important for, for us to come out and say, you know, we're not against this technology. We're really not. What I'm against is displacement. There's going to, there's casualties in war, and there's going to be a lot of casualties in this until all this levels out and people are taken care of. And people need to wake up and make sure that they're not on the front lines or prepare if they are going to be on the front lines. And truck drivers, Uber drivers, your shuttle drivers at an airport, somebody that may be on that that has a disability, um, are disabled or something like that, and they're doing just like the the people at the checkout at Walmart. A lot of your Walmart checkout people, what were they? Look at who they were. Those people are losing their jobs. Look at McDonald's. Those people are losing their jobs. Right? This is real. Well, what, yeah. what they're doing is they're coming for our wages. I wanted to mention this earlier, and I've said it in other shows, is that $200 billion a year in the American trucking industry is expended on wages. And that's what they're trying to come for. That's the savings. That's what that, that's the that's the honey pot of gold that all these autonomous guys are actually going for, despite all of the rest of their marketing and you know, the Aurora CEO guy was on this other podcast a few weeks ago with this woman named Kara Swisher. And he said, no, 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 no. We're not going to lay off truck drivers. It's just going to be different jobs and you're going to have different roles. BS, dude. You're coming for us. You're coming to get rid of us. You might have and a few interregnum jobs, but at the end of the day, you want us gone. Gord, let me interject here with another uh, issue that people are not discussing. And it's called big data. Uh, big data is the future currency of the world. Uh, money is just a form of a control mechanism. Natural resources, another form of control mechanisms. We have to look at big data. That is your virtual identity and existence. And that's based on a number, based on coding, based on everything else of how you are seen by the world when it comes to uh, technology. And that's where everything is headed. And people don't realize that the noose is getting tighter and tighter around when it comes to our freedoms, our civil liberties. And if you speak out, like in the future, if we were to do these things, you, be, you could become uh, a public enemy of the state. 
You understand? Because you are not carrying the message, the propaganda of the state of what they want you to say. So we have to see how all of these technologies, I know there was a comment made about uh, these things being different or detached, but it's coming closer and closer together. The, the dots are becoming connected tighter and tighter where it's going to become centralized. And so we have to look at this towards the future because this is all about population control, control mechanisms of the future of people because we don't want them to be disruptive. And so you could shut off their vehicle when they're transferred. You could shut off their digital currency. Do, do you see where we're headed with this? And we have to realize that this discussion, this is not conspiracy theory. This is conspiracy fact. As we're moving forward towards the, in the future of work, the narrative has to be driven from the trenches. We have to let them know that we know what they're up to and that we have our own plan about this. And we need to put pressure on them because we do have the power right now. And that is by the sheer numbers of people that we have. United we stand. And divided we shall not be. So that's why we're having this discussion. Right. So I'm wondering if there's any anything positive we can look to towards this at all. I mean, if there isn't, that's fine, and we can be as realistic about this as we want. I'm just I'm just wondering. It seems pretty. Well, let's let's address the positive that's sold to us, because it's 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 sold to us in a very a utopian fashion that, wow, with robotics and automation, guess what? You'll have more time now of personal time that you won't have to work as hard now because everything will be automated and the robots will serve us, uh, will serve us. Um, so it sounds utopic. It sounds beautiful. Sounds wonderful. But unless we, the people stand up and ensure that we are, have a place in the future of work and the future of society, then, yeah, we're handing over the keys to who knows what, and it's going to be very dystopic. So, yes, I like to be an optimist, but I like to also be a realist at the same time. If I could have pushed the auto button on this in that Jersey traffic today, um, when we were doing stop and go, stop and go, that would have been sweet, man. You know, I could have, I could have played on Facebook or did something, but I probably would have had a camera looking at me and fired me if I would have forgotten. <laughs> but, you know, there is positives to this. I mean, you know, like they say in the commercials, Too Simple had their commercial, you know, it's not going to drink and drive. Um, you know, look at the disabled. I agree with it. If, if somebody was blind or disabled, the independent that they could have had, if they want to go someplace and they could go in and just get in an automated vehicle and it take them. I mean, if they could work the bugs out and not displace people, but it's like, it's like, uh, Edward said, you know, the reality of it is that's not the direction it seems to be going. These guys are blowing a bunch of smoke up our butt right now talking about saving money but walmart saved us money when they first come out i just i'm not just picking on walmart it's just a great name to show monopolize yeah they came out and they saved us money at first but within no time you know they were just as the the product was cheap and it cost just as much as any other store and next thing you know they're putting people out of work now and you know what did they give us if i if i check out 
my own stuff, I'm not getting a discount for doing that. And it, and, but I could go through a, a cash register and have a cashier check me out or check it out. Myself. There's no savings in it. So they're not giving a consumer a kickback by doing this at all. I mean, the CEOs ain't losing anything. They're still, they're gaining. Yeah. So you um, mentioned will about the disability folks and the blind and so on. That's one thing they actually uh, carted in uh, the disabled and blind folks into the hearing at the CPUC, uh, you know, courtesy of Waymo and Cruz. And they got them to say, oh, yeah, this will be a brighter future for us because they'll be able to not. I mean, there won't be the discriminatory treatment and so on. So we'll feel safer uh, because we won't, uh, you know, have the the downside of a human who's not going to treat us properly. However, here's the, here's the reality. The reality is these vehicles stop in the middle of the street. They don't pull up to the curb. So how is that going to work for a disabled person uh, who's blind? Uh, and, and they have to get out in the middle of the street. They have to get in the middle of the street. They're going to get killed or injured or maimed or something. But it's not good. On top of that, who's going to help the wheelchair person to get in to the vehicle and store store their wheelchair? There's there's you know, they, they do this cover story that sounds beautiful. Believe me, they've had practice doing that. They hire people. They pay them bit, the big bucks for that to, to wash things over, whitewash things over. So it sounds beautiful. However, let's look at the ethical dilemma here. If a vehicle has to decide between, let's say it's rolling with a passenger um, and it has to decide between hitting another car versus hitting a human being versus hitting a dog, ethically, how is it empowered to make that decision on what life it's going to take? You get what I'm saying? That's one element. How about cyber hacking and cyber terrorism? What about that? That's a okay. show in itself, because, right? Or, yeah, I mean, there, there's lots to consider here, and I don't want to go too far. Um, we we've kept our my listeners pretty busy here for the last hour, and I want to, you know, we're, we're going to make a series out of this, so maybe we should put some pins in these subjects. And one more issue, then liability: when the vehicle kills someone. Who's going to pay the price? Who's going to go to prison? You get what I'm saying? So, and we'll explore more in depth. Uh, but yes, that's just a few. How about uh, the electromagnetic frequencies, the EMFs that a person is exposed to while they're in these vehicles? How about the disabling of those vehicles? If you put a, a construction cone in front of it, you could shut it down. Then you could steal the load. You could steal, you could rob, rape, kill the passenger in a, in a vehicle. You see, N no discussion of this. So that's why we're here. James, what do you, what do you have to add to round out this, this episode, sir? I did have a little bit of a ditty here on the, uh, one of the positives, I guess it's a little bit, it's wrapped in skepticism though, I'm afraid. So you have to bear with me a little bit ago. Uh, Edward was bringing up a universal basic income. And uh, one of the things I find really curious about that is that people like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Sam Altman, Bill Gates, and there's a laundry list of more people that are uh, on a bad bandwagon from UBI. Um, but as far as like the big names in tech, they're all supporters of it. And that's something of an admission that a UBI may become necessary and a universal basic income is only necessary if people can't pay their bills. Depending on how that goes, um, the numbers that I've seen from like people like uh, 
Andrew Yang, where it's like $1,000 a month. That's kind of the number that's being floated around right now from what I'm seeing. That's obviously too low, but if it's more than that, um, we might actually start be talking about that utopia type of a thing. But um, the numbers on that are going to be dictated by how productive of an economic engine AI turns out to be and how much they're willing to part ways with sort of a thing. So that's like, there is a little bit of a glimpse of hope there, maybe depending on how it goes. But, um, you know, they've been saying that we're going to have more leisure time for like the last hundred years. And here we are. Yeah. that That's something that's a very good point, James. And this is something. So I speak with people all over the place, left, right, up, down. I'll, I'll talk to anybody. And one of the Marxist critiques is like, you know, this is the sort of natural endpoint of capitalism. Eventually, industries, sectors with industries get so efficient and then drive other competitors out. And then people, you know, the, the, these conglomerates come together because they have more buying power. They're more efficient. And you're probably going to see this with autonomous technology. And how does the system as such respond to it? You know, mm-hmm. and, and then there's the deeper meaning people find value in work. Like I like trucking. It's been pretty good to me. You know, it's been pretty good to will Edward likes to drive. There's people, people need a reason to get out of bed in the morning and do stuff. And that's called purposefulness. And that is exactly a very serious point of discussion uh, because, yes, James mentioned about universal basic income. And, yeah, you could pay your bills, but does it give you a purpose for life? We need to have that discussion because exactly. look what happened during the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. People kind of lost their minds a little bit. And I, I don't know that they've got them back yet, but that that's another <laughs> podcast separate from this one. But, um, uh, gentlemen, we've got lots more to discuss here. I really appreciate y'all coming on board. There's so much to unpack with autonomous vehicles, economic effects, surveillance, control, you know, these subscription services like, hey, you know, you said something wrong, so we're not going to send the truck full of groceries to your local grocery store. You know, you, you didn't, you know, there's some bug in the code and now your car don't work and you're trying to drive your kid to the school or the hospital or something. There's just all of this stuff where control of the technology has been taken away from the consumer who bought it. And I, and I want to explore this stuff further. But um, for, for this first episode of this series, any last words from anyone? Well, your point that you made, uh, where things are headed in that direction, vehicle transport ownership will be made so it's inaccessible. So it'll be pushed in the direction of a subscription-based model, um, like a utility, which is exactly what uh, Travis Kalanick, the founder of Uber, had said long ago. He said he wanted to make Uber as accessible and available to the general public as running water. So he was foretelling the future. Uh, If you look at Netflix, uh, all these other subscription-based services, and why subscription-based? Because you never stop paying. A utility, you never stop paying. Once you're on the grid, you're there for life. That's a very good point. Will? Man, I just, again, uh, you know, I'm not against this technology. I just have concerns 
and some questions, you know, concerns about the displacement of, of middle-class drivers, workers, and uh, just the future of what's going to happen to all these guys that are going to be displaced in their, their quality of life. Um, and I think that we're being lied to, and I, I think we we deserve to uh, to be told straight, you know, what's what's happening. And our families need to be protected out here, and we should be able to prepare for our future just like they are. So that's it. I, like I said, I'm not against the technology, just have concerns of displacement of drivers in middle-class America. That's it. James? Yeah, I guess uh, the only thing I'd, I'd part with is um, since ChatGPT launched, um, there's been a lot of conversations on different circles, not only with drivers, but, you know, college students and anybody that's going to be impacted by this technology from writers to graphic designers and all that. The, the hopeful thing about this technology with where it's at right now and where it's headed is that it seems like pretty much everybody's on the same page and this problem hasn't been politicized yet. So hopefully that remains to be the case and we can, you know, through a lot more discussions like this, we can find a better uh, future that we can all agree to live with. So. One more point I want to make since James brought up chat GPT. I've challenged chat GPT on topics pertaining to the future of work. It refuses to have the discussion with me and it chooses to basically redirect me towards another topic. So that sentient quality of AI protecting itself, it's already happening. There, there, there's a spooky way to wrap up the conversation, the, the ghost in the machine, as it were. All right, gentlemen, uh, th thank you very much for making time for this. I'm looking forward to the next one. In the meantime, if anyone wants to find y'all on the internet amongst my listenership, where do they go to find you? Edward uh, Escobar on LinkedIn. Uh, year James at uh, <clears throat> or at Year James on Instagram. So Y E A R J A M E S. Will Cook at America Without Drivers. All right. Well, um, thanks, guys. I, I look forward to the next one. There's lots here and lots more to discuss. And to my listeners, thank you for rolling out with us here and having the patience to go through all of these perspectives and this information. And we'll see you all next time. Way of the road.